Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and this is a high energy show. This season, season three, we're talking all things team, collaboration, and how to take aligned action after the stillness work. Tune in for passionate conversations from trailblazers and innovators, my own personal coaching insights, and honestly, who knows? Because this show is where anything goes. It's unscripted and all for you. You guys, this episode is incredible. And it's funny because you guys know I'm always stoked about all of my guests. But this one in particular, Abigail Huber, goes by Abby, if you know her, uh, is insane because we have had, I don't, I mean, at this point, I could take my time and count them, but. I'll just say countless functional dietitians on this podcast because I always select people who are doing work in the world that has impacted my life, the lives of my friends, and um, things on the cutting edge, things that are uh, trendy but also meaningful. And we have never talked uh, with any of them about the things that Abby and I get into today. So yes, we will be covering the basics. So if you are a new listener, welcome. My name's Garrett. I am the host and I've had this podcast now for just about two and a half years and um, my background's in health and fitness, specifically on the fitness and the fat loss side of things and where I went wrong, just to give you the cliff notes because there's tons of episodes on this podcast if you want to dig, but to give you the cliff notes, I had really looked past the well-being and nourishment side of being in a healthy body and really focused on the external for my lower 20s, the first half of my 20s, I would say. And um, even though I achieved, um, you know, little to no body fat, bodybuilder, runner up, you know, or bikini, I should say, uh, competitor, runner up, I had the six pack, I had all the things. I felt awful for years. And one of our former guests, Bridget Carroll, reached out to me. She's also one of my um, sorority sisters had reached out and she was like, look, I I can help you because I had been just in chronic state of fatigue, stress. It started manifesting in anxiety, which I had never had before, insane bloating. And similar to today's guest, Abby, I struggled with constipation my whole life. And it just got worse when I um, was in the thick of my dieting and bodybuilding and competing and all of that stuff. And I remember calls with my mom being like, like she could, she was worried about the fact that I wasn't going to the bathroom. And I had doctors tell me that, um, you know, my, I was fine and everything was fine and I wasn't fine. And thanks to Bridget for helping me. Um, I was able to really start on a path to feeling like myself and feeling empowered and what it takes to be in a healthy, nourished body. And my journey has had so many layers and so many phases. And I share on every, you know, every episode I do, every every interview rather that I do with the functional practitioner, I share bits and pieces of my journey. So you're going to hear some stuff about me woven through this episode. But most importantly, let me tell you about Abby. So Abby runs a private practice called Above Health. She is typically based in Boston, although she does call in to this interview from Charleston, South Carolina, and she's a wealth of knowledge. Yes, we can call her, you know, a functional dietitian, functional practitioner, but she is also like, and she's going to laugh when she hears that she's a nerd about this stuff. Like she knows 
I don't want to say too much because I don't think you can know too much, but she knows, you know, everything about everything dealing with the human body. And you're going to totally see that demonstrated in today's episode. Um, A couple things to highlight and mention um, and hopefully pique your interest and hope that you listen all the way through. We cover... Um, for those of you curious about um, maybe starting your own private practice, we do cover uh, a little bit about her entrepreneurial journey. We talk about her own past with chronic constipation. We talk about what she sees most commonly with her clients. We talk about the, the, the kind of star of the show today is mold. I've never focused on mold on this podcast. I might have mentioned moldy foods once, but maybe not. I think that was maybe a side conversation. So if you're curious about learning more about moldy foods, their impact on the body, what to look out for, this episode is for you. And um, if you've listened to, if you're an OG listener, um, I like to ask practitioners to bust myths out there. Um, You know, our most recent one, I asked uh, Meg Gerber if, you know, everyone should eat gluten-free even if they're not celiac. She had some really interesting words of wisdom there. Today, one of the things I asked Appy was, what trends are you seeing? Like, what will we be seeing this year in 2021? Because two years ago on this podcast, you know, celery juice was was kind of all the rage and, and collagen was on the rise. And so today we really do a deep dive um, and Abby so eloquently like shares and explains the lymphatic system and the gallbladder and that those are going to be a lot of the things that we're as a you know collective being educated on because and I'll be honest like I've heard about it I've seen the trampoline jumping classes and I've been um you know I've heard of lymphatic drainage massages and a lot of facials that focus on lymphatic drainage but um yeah, I didn't know what the the deeper meaning and importance was, and she really goes there today. So if you want to know about bile, bile, you want to know about the connection between the microbiome or gut microbiome and the lungs, um, if you are an asthmatic like me, if you are curious about understanding how to get to the root cause of, of whatever symptom you're experiencing or um, the emotional and spiritual side of all of this. Like this episode covers it all. So I'm excited for you to tune in. I'm so grateful for Abby's time. As you can tell by the length that you've already seen, this is a long show, but I felt like it took 15 minutes to record. It was it was crazy. So um, there's a couple parts where there's a little bit of background noise, but um, I am not uh, talented enough as an editor yet to be able to cut that out. So my apologies. And um, the, the message, though, is way too important to um, cut out that just to avoid a little background noise. So thanks for bearing with me as always. And um, to follow, find Abby, follow Abby. Um, she's at Above Health on Instagram. And one thing, one quick correction at the end of the show she was so excited about this group program that she's launching she said it's launching march 1st obviously that date's come and gone and you guys are hearing this um, at the earliest on march 14th Um, her program actually launches may 1st so if you just love her as much as I do from this episode and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to work with her. I want to join her group. You can find the link in the show notes to join her group because it's actually launching May 1st. So Abby Huber, functional dietitian here to bust some myths, to teach us more about our bodies. And really, I think to inspire us all to be more curious about what our symptoms are saying, if they're emotional or mental, if they're to deal with our personality, if they're to deal with, you know, 
<laughs> toxicities in our body, how to detox all of these things. And I just, I'm clearly stoked about it, guys. So thank you for being here so much. If you love this episode or you find it helpful, please do text it, share it to a, with a friend. Um, that is honestly how I have built my own personal podcast library is just different episodes friends have shared with me and then I become a loyal listener. So please do share this podcast. Um, if you are curious about similar episodes, I will put links to those in the show notes as well. So if you are in a phase of, of seeking right now, anything and everything on gut health, we have a lot of resources here. Um, on this podcast for you. And, um, I even shared pretty recently a solo cast on my pregnancy and gut health update, because as you could imagine, pregnancy impacted my gut health journey. Not, not, um, too significantly, but noticeably for me. So I will shut up now. Um, and without further ado, I introduce to you my friend and brilliant practitioner, Abby Huber. Abby, welcome to the show. Excited to be here. I'm glad you're here, and I'm also jealous that you're calling in from Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at like a foot of snow outside, and it sounds pretty lovely right now. Yes, it's amazing that it's like two and a half hour flight away, and I'm like, it's 65, 70, and sunny here today. And I previously was in that foot of snow, also. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is um, something that you have, which we're going to talk about today, cultivated, you know, the ability to just get up and go anywhere. And I'm excited to talk about your entrepreneurial journey today. Um, but we're going to talk about so much more because you are a functional dietitian. Um, and before yeah. we go there, I do want to share a really incredible quote that you um, sent to me. And I haven't, se I've seen it before, but it's probably been five years and it's never been said on this uh on the show. And the quote is, there's only a way, well, I'm sorry, there is only one way to eat an elephant, a bite at a time. And that was from Desmond Tutu. And I would just love like why you chose that one and to know what it means to you. Yeah. I feel like it's something that has come up recently in like my life, as well as I've like heard myself, like say it to multiple clients of just anything that feels like overwhelming or big, or like any type of like journey or task or even like mental obstacle um, of just kind of taking a step back and realizing, okay, it's just one foot in front of the other, like one baby step. And so allowing it to say like, okay, that big scary thing, oh, now it doesn't seem so big. Now it doesn't seem so scary. Um, and and I feel like it helps me certainly. And um, you know, you're familiar with the work I've done with you of like, I have a bit of a perfectionist piece that I am working very hard against in like a good way. Um, but sometimes that perfectionist piece can like rear its head of like trying to be done with a task before I've even started it. And then I'm like, oh, like, why would I, you know, it seems unsurmountable. But so that quote has been kind of repeated in the back of my mind and been really helpful for a number of things. I was going to say it could, I'm thinking of how it, I didn't think of the perfectionist thing, like you mentioned, but for anyone listening who's in the midst of starting a business, like you mm -hmm. also have done in the last you know year or so, um, working on a health journey. You know, for mm -hmm. me, I, I that landed when I 
I, I would say around high school slash college when I learned that like, you can't just diet for one week. Like it's yeah. probably going to take a while. And it was really frustrating and really annoying. But then once I got it, I was like, okay, this is a lifelong thing. But mm-hmm. where I didn't get it. And I've shared this before was with gut healing. And so mm-hmm. I love that you're working on this mantra within yourself, but I'm sure it applies to the work you're doing with your clients. Yeah. And, and oftentimes I think about it a lot. It's like when, especially I get um, a lot of clients that are like puzzle pieces, kind of a really complex, I'm usually, you know, maybe the third, fourth, sometimes even like fifth, sixth provider that they've worked with. Um, and even for a second, I can kind of be like, whoa, all right, there's a lot of pieces going on here. Like, whoo, okay, where do we start? And I'm like, well, always start from the foundation. Mm. And that piece of kind of like, okay, that, you know, this elephant, this scenario, this puzzle piece seems really big, but then it's kind of like, okay, well, what are we, you know, what's the foundation? And the foundation's always built on the same, you know, from a gut health perspective, we're still talking about like hydration and sleep and, you know, critiques to diet and optimization of digestion and all of those things. And um, I feel like in those cases, again, that quote becomes applicable to to really say like, whew, okay, let's prioritize and we have to build a solid foundation or else, you know, our house is going to sink and it might have beautiful curtains, but like who needs a curtain <laughs> when you don't have a foundation? <laughs> yes. And I can't wait to go deeper on that today because I was at many points, um, getting the fancy curtains, you know, by way of like some supplement that I thought was going to fix me, but sleeping four hours a night, chugging two nitro coffees, like (laughs) running around like a crazy person. So I think former Garrett needs to hear this and anyone out there who, um, I know by the end of this episode, people are going to have some like real stuff they can grab onto and start applying in their life, which will be amazing. And I'm so excited to dive in. But before we do the one question, I ask every guest is, who are you? So who are you before work, before, you know, any title that you wear, just what, who, who is Abby? That, I feel like that answer has like probably changed drastically over like the last year in a great way um, through, I mean, working with you personally and just doing a lot of like my own kind of emotional work and work around like who that person is. Um, I've realized, you know, I'm certainly much more of a kind of introvert with, you know, an extrovert side, but of, um, like needing that kind of to carve out my like quiet time to carve out my kind of individual space to really like infuse myself with kind of positive ideas and, um, and really surround myself with like people that kind of lift me up. And then being able to then kind of take that energy and bring it out to be my clients or my family or my friends or relationships or things like that. Um, Whereas I think before I like kind of pushed against my like introvertedness almost was like, didn't want to accept that about myself or like felt differently about it. But now I realize it's like a little bit of a superpower and kind of gotten more comfortable with the ways, like the ways I'm wired and realizing that, you know, when you, develop a life that complements that and kind of um, it it feels just so much more like natural and successful without kind of pushing against. So, mm-hmm. um, but equally that kind of alone time, I definitely need to surround myself with, with people also. So like not just kind of disappearing into my 
home, which is also kind of one of the reasons why I'm down in South Carolina now, realizing that I was like kind of literally disappearing into my apartment in the winter of Boston and being like, okay, I'm going to like <laughs> do something different, step out of my comfort zone a little bit. But um, I don't even know if that really even answered the question. So I suppose I'm still kind of figuring that out too, but um, it's great. I think it's um, a lot of people don't think about that layer. I don't know if anyone has ever um, described themselves that way on this podcast. And I am, I, I like to think a pretty strong extrovert. So they get a lot of that side from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know personally some introverts who do listen to this podcast. So I think that's a really beautiful thing to share. And on top of that, the one thing we share in common is that we're both projectors And as you were kind of talking about the reboot from like, okay, I need alone time. I have to sort of find my resources or find my energy to then go back out into the world. I was really feeling that projector vibe. And I can say that on this podcast because we've had Aaron Claire Jones on, you know, if people haven't listened to that episode, they can go back, listen to human design with Aaron Claire Jones. But, um, from that place and you started doing this and I know you personally, so, um, you started, you said you build a life that complements who you really are in mm-hmm. so many words. And that's something I would love to kind of start with today because a lot of people who listen may have may, may be seeking some insight into how do I actually believe that that's possible? And um, I think it might be helpful to take the listeners through your call it professional journey because you have like such a vast background in everything that you've done. And it's all perfectly led you to be this incredible, you know, private, private practitioner. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'd love, just love for you to kind of show, show that to the listeners, because um, there was probably a point where you didn't know that this was possible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And to see kind of where I'm at today and there's definitely, you know, places I'm going and things I'm trying and, you know, bigger things I want to accomplish, but being able to kind of look at even like the way that I've like crafted a, a weekly schedule that complements like my kind of projector side of like needing this kind of ebb and flow, needing times to kind of be like quiet and not producing in order to then kind of show up and produce. Um, but I really got into all of this because I love food and I love chemistry like science and what I kind of realized in college um, that nutrition is all about food and chemistry and the body is all about kind of that like science chemistry piece. And that's really where I realized, you know, all of those like PTSD of like high school chemistry for most people of like, when you look at the Krebs cycle and all of these intricate things, I'm like, oh, that actually is happening in the body and we can look at it and we can complement it. We can kind of feed into it with food and lifestyle and all of these pieces. And that's really where I kind of got like lit up by um, kind of the practice of nutrition. I didn't know what a dietitian was until my junior year of college. And then I realized I wasn't in the right school for to go become a dietitian. I uh, have a background in exercise physiology from my undergraduate and super grateful for that because I'm um, just really interesting and helpful to kind of have a layer of that. Um, but then kind of went back to grad school when I moved back to Boston after college. And then through my own health, where I think so many kind of functional practitioners get into the world of functional medicine because we ourselves needed to kind of heal ourselves. And I like to refer to myself as like, I have an unconventional body. 
I like didn't fit into the circle hole that everybody else seemed to fit at the time. My body decided to do other things and I was doing all the quote unquote right things that I knew how to do, but they just weren't right for my unique body. And so that's where I really needed to kind of look out of the box of what I kind of learned in my like conventional training to really heal my own body and realize like, oh, I'm not the only square peg in the circle peg, you know, world. Um, and just kind of, I'm a forever student also, I'll always continue learning. Um, so this world also compliments me a lot in that, my like, just like never ending nerdiness. Um, <laughs> and so kind of 10, what is it? Like 10 years later now, um, had a couple iterations of my career, wrote and teach a wellness curriculum for a while, always had a private practice kind of on the side. Um, but really in the last, in the last year, gone full-time private practice and really kind of boiled it down to what really makes me excited is healing people's digestive systems and seeing where it complements from kind of their skin clearing, their brain fog clearing, um, their, you know, energy improving. Um, and really figuring out that, you know, sometimes it is in fact the gut and sometimes it's other, um, you know, environmental or other stress or other pieces of the puzzle too. Um, and that's where we really get curious if, you know, we hit a glass ceiling where we can't really improve beyond a certain point. Um, that's kind of where I get really, I guess, nerd out um, <laughs> in terms of really saying like, okay, there's a, there's a rock or a stone that we haven't looked under. So let's get curious and figure out what that is. That's incredible. And I think one of the things that stands out to me is like, as a projector, you were teaching, you were teaching like a curriculum mm -hmm. and um, it was like a perfect launching pad, but not every teacher is ready to pivot and start their own practice. Um, before we go into some of the stuff that I know you'll be able to nerd out over on skin and brain fog and all of those things that we're even going to get into mold today, which is exciting to me. Um, what do you, what was it that motivated you to go into your own practice and to leave, like call it the safety net of a job benefits, salary, all of that stuff? Yeah, I, it was really, I, wrote and taught the wellness curriculum for seven years. Um, and that I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Um, but it, it, like, I felt like a scale kind of tip just slightly of starting to really think like have more of this kind of like, Oh, what would it be like? What would kind of life be like if I, um, you know, wasn't teaching in this, like what became a very like safe environment, especially, you know, I had, written a wellness curriculum and then taught it and implemented it for seven years. It no longer felt, you know, I was tweaking it, but it felt very much like I just show up and I, I do my job. And, you know, I, my students were little dreams, um, middle school, 10 to 14 years old. So they really helped me to boil down the messages. Cause if you don't keep them entertained for the 30 second <laughs> sound clip, like they're hanging from the ceiling fans. Um, but COVID was actually a huge kind of opportunity, I'd say, for me, because it allowed me to step into um, a little bit of a mock world of what a full-time private practice would be like, because obviously school ended so abruptly. And I, being kind of an accessory role at school, wasn't on the first line of um, kind of Zoom teaching and things like that. You know, math and science and all of those things were wellness was 
came a little, a couple weeks after, but I got to um, really kind of put my toe in the water, one bite of the elephant and really see like, okay, like this inkling, this craving that I've been having, like, this is it. And then I made, you know, the really hard decision to resign from a school that I loved. And it wasn't that I left school because I didn't love it. It was that this like scale, this kind of pull into, um, you know, what could be greater of my own capacity and knowing that like I have, I've spent years and years learning what I know. And I feel like I've only just begun to like, really like find my voice, I suppose, um, mm. and, and, and share those messages. Yeah. And the degree of like, or the granularity at which you can go is so deep and specific. I can imagine it's, it's hard to really get there, like with a group of people who are still, their bodies are still growing and changing and all of that. Um, but it's, it's fascinating that you are able to like have the, I think there's probably people listening right now who are like, I think about resigning every day. You know, how do you make that decision? And to your point, you know, you had the knowledge, you had the passion, you had the experience. It's just like, okay, where do I want to take this and how do I want to apply it? Um, And I think it would be helpful before we go into like the specificity in which you work to, to go back to something you said earlier, which was you have an unconventional body and really mm-hmm. talk about the struggles that you had with your own body along the way. Because I think that when something's personally compelling to us, it makes us that much more, I don't know, driven to, to make a change in not only ourselves, but the world. Yeah. Well, you know, to say it bluntly, I was chronically constipated for, but I didn't even know it for a while, mm-hmm. which I always found to be like, so now thinking back, I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't even know that it was abnormal not to not go to the bathroom every day and to have, you know, a bowel movement every three or four days or, you know, whatever even it was, I can't even honestly remember. Um, And I feel like that was a huge revelation when I figured that out. And then again, unconventional body, it took me a really long time to actually get to the root cause of where those symptoms were manifesting, like what those were being driven by. Um, Certainly I've worked with clients that have been chronically constipated and we like do a couple tweaks and it's like in a matter of weeks, I'm like, amazing, awesome. Like little jealous that you're having a great bowel movement every day. And it took us a couple of weeks, but um, you know, in my own body, it was years. And Mm -hmm you know, for, for a while. And I still, even today kind of joke that I've learned so much about what I know because of the, the necessity of having to implement so many different things in my own body and my own life that I kind of joke. I'm like, well, I'm not going to look into like cancer or anything because it might be an experience. No, but it's very much a tool of really understanding what my client's feel like in their own shoes when they are going through struggles to say like, Hey, I was, some days I'm still there, but um, it it definitely, you know, chronic fatigue was a huge piece of it also. Um, so I definitely did that, like developed a little bit of anxiety about being tired, um, which as a projector, the ebbs and the flows and being like more comfortable with like, hey, there are going to be times that like, I don't want to produce and to like kind of show up when I like in my schedule said I was going to you know, show up or start that outline or do whatever it was. And so that's a piece of that, like with my kind of stuff, trying to stop like fighting against myself and kind of find this flow 
in the realm of also like recognizing, you know, where my health kind of flow comes into it as well and where my body wants to be in those times. And um, it's a it's a constant dance, but it definitely has gotten easier with really with looking for support, you know, working with you as a personal client and surrounding myself with really kind of inspiring like friends and colleagues. Um, I think that was one of the biggest um, kind of opportunities taking that jump to resign and to go full-time private practice was really that I surrounded myself um, with really dear friends that also are colleagues and, you know, both in the industry of health and wellness and, and outside of it that have taken leaps um, different and similar. And to really, you know, have that kind of network of like people encouraging and people, you know, showing me what's possible, those kind of um, expanders, I suppose. Mm. Yes, we have talked about expanders um, a couple of times, I'm sure, on this podcast. Because it, <laughs> it's, I mean, a lot of the guests are for people. That's at least my hope. And um, as you were describing that, um, you know, I can't help but notice and reflect for the listeners that like you had all the scientific knowledge at your fingertips and like how frustrating must it be to know the data, to know the science and what's kind of going on at, like at a cellular level, but yet not feel improvement. And you can obviously provide that data, the science, the cellular level insight to your clients, but there was this other side of it that was emotional, that was lifestyle, that was mental, that it's like you also stepped into alignment emotionally. And we could probably even say spiritually, which we can talk about later. But before we do that, um, you mentioned, um, Below our constipation and fatigue and anxiety. And I think all the listeners have at some point experienced that. And for me, it was like the chicken or the egg. Like, am I having anxiety because I'm constipated? Am I constipated because I'm having anxiety? And then when you add fatigue into the mix, like I wasn't like, I was knowingly like not getting enough sleep. And I would always joke that on the weekends I could go to the bathroom because I slept a lot and that was like an easy fix, but my lifestyle just wasn't there yet. So mm -hmm. how do you start that conversation with clients? Because I just, I can feel like the listeners are probably just like, okay, so what do I do if I'm constipated? Cause I just want to have a refresher on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where we kind of come down, like back to those kind of like foundational pieces of like, okay, well, if you're constipated, like we do have to recognize that hydration is really important and that we do want to look at yeah exactly like <laughs> um that we do want to look at you know what what are you eating and are there like is there a lot of like processed foods or is there um even like an exorbitant amount of like nut butters or things that sometimes are really challenging for people's digestive system so like any kind of imbalance almost in like nutrient intake too much of one thing not enough of another um, looking at their sleep, certainly to say like, are you sleeping enough? I was sleeping more than enough and then I would nap on top of it. Um, and, and yet still have these kind of like, like periods in the day where I would just be exhausted and knew that I was like, this is not normal, but you know, how do I start to fix this? And that was like, all right, I need to re really make sure my kind of foundation is there. And then from there, you're kind of like, okay, I've got my foundation, but I'm still struggling with these with these dynamics, with these issues, then that's where you kind of build on. And that's where functional testing was um, really something that allowed me to kind of better understand like what is going on internally in my body. Um, 
realizing that I had a lot of permeability or leaky gut, which is kind of a breakdown in the barrier system of the gut things for that, like a lot of those kind of healing nutrients. I mean, bone broth is a great healer of um, permeability, something that, you know, we can purchase at the grocery store. Collagen actually works really well. Um, there are some certainly kind of targeted supplements and things like that for it, but starting to put those little puzzle pieces that were uniquely things that once I kind of looked and I was like, all right, my foundation is solid. I, I'm doing all the things, but yet they're not working for me. And those are a lot of from a kind of client perspective, those types of, of people that find me that their diet looks quote unquote beautiful. And I'm kind of like, it's not your diet. There's something in the environment of your body that is out of balance. And that's what we're going, that's what we work on. So it could be a microbiome. So a bacteria or a parasite or a worm, or I know those sound scary, but they, um, you know, they're all in the realms of normal or potentially common, I suppose we don't want to normalize them, but those are things we can support. Um, permeability in the GI system, food sensitivities, just non-optimal digestion, or oftentimes I see it a lot that people are just like snacking or grazing all day long. Um, and that kind of breaks down the optimal digestive kind of communication. And so even just meal spacing, three to four hours between meals and really making sure someone's eating a robust meal so that there's that protein, that healthy fat, that fiber, and that satiety from it, so they can comfortably kind of go those three to four hours, um, makes it a world of a difference in terms of the motility in people's GI system. And we just kind of take each one of those little pieces and we start to put together that unique puzzle. Um, and if we hit a glass ceiling, we get even more curious and we go even deeper. So, um, you know, I think always starting with that foundation, and then if you are in the unconventional body club, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> then we go a little bit deeper. And that's again, where kind of looking personally at the body can be, um, just allow us to work more efficiently. Certainly you don't have to do functional testing mm -hmm. to get to the root of a lot of these pieces. Um, but to do it really efficiently, I do find that that is a, a really key piece of the, the journey. I think that's so helpful to hear. Um, like the word efficient is what I would say most people in American culture are looking for, uh, we mm -hmm. want things fast. And there is a difference between thinking something's like a magic pill or snake oil or whatever that's going to fix you overnight versus just being like, I don't want to guess or like in my case, mm -hmm. waste money guessing on supplements online for three months before you even know what you should be taking. I would imagine I probably took 10 steps back during my own process of like reading about SIBO and trying to self-diagnose. And, mm -hmm. um, for any new listeners, I, I had, um, I did a stool test and found C. diff and H. pylori in 2017. And just getting that data as frustrating as it was, I was like, okay, now I know what I need to take. Now I know what it's, what's going to help me. And, um, I remember there's a moment where Jeff was like, are you really going to take all these supplements for the rest of your life? And I was like, I like, didn't know, but luckily over time I could trust like, okay, I'm feeling better. When I traveled, I had certain things that I could use that made me feel empowered. And that's what you're doing for people. And I think it's really just important for people to hear that because they're, like you said, you can get more curious. It's not like you're stuck with like this thing, but the other thing that you kind of said without saying is like really listening to your intuition, like 
if something's off, it's off. And I think that's a really good segue to talk about your recent journey because you were having, and I won't speak for you, but you know, you were having some symptoms and getting really curious and it led you to an interesting place. I think it might be um, not fun for you, but it's (laughs) an interesting story that I would love for you to share that you, what you recently went through. Yeah, I know. Weirdly, I mean, fun is like a funny word to describe it, but having now like had that kind of realization, I'm like, and health is such a kind of main priority in my like kind of authentic code of, of sorts that it really, as much as like what kind of showed itself, I was like, well, this is incredibly inconvenient um, and potentially mm-hmm. <laughs> costly, but it really, what I think of, you know, what do I prioritize in life? My health is really the top of the list. And so therefore I'm like, okay, you know, whatever comes because of this, I, now that I have my health back, like that is, that is worth every penny and every obstacle of this. But um, over, so as I kind of said, I took years to heal my personal body. Um, and I had been living in my apartment for six years now. Um, and I got, tr- I got tremendously better, but I still kind of always needed supports to like go to the bathroom daily. And I would have kind of still like flares and I couldn't really put my finger on like why I was so stubborn. And I just kind of assigned it to being like, okay, like my body is just my like education tool that is just going to forever teach me about, um, you know, like the most challenging kind of dynamic possible, at least what I was looking at thinking of. Um, but then when we actually went into quarantine, um, I was working outside of my home most days. So I was out of the house for like, you know, eight to 12 hours every single day, most days. Um, and when we went into quarantine, obviously we were all home and I went to running my private practice 24 seven from my home. And over the next couple of months, my symptoms got worse and worse and worse. Um, to the point that I was on a very like restrictive diet that was a, a healing diet called SCD, but, and it was tremendously helpful. I reached out to a number of colleagues cause I didn't want to heal myself all like Sometimes those of us practitioners, we certainly need um, someone to just help us take care of ourselves too. Uh, so I reached out for help. I, you know, was do- was doing everything that um, that I knew how to do, and I was getting better, but not much. And then looking even deeper, I actually tested myself for mold toxicity, and I found that I had mold toxicity in the kind of the family of like black mold, even though I don't know if that's like totally the correct term now that I've learned a lot more about mold. I was actually studying mold um, and mold toxicity at the time, independently of knowing that I was living in it. Um, And of course, through, you know, again, my body being my educational tool, I had kind of the two strains of mold that tend to be the most, um, the most like scary, big, bad mycotoxins type of things. So uh, I got the test results back on a Friday night and I moved out Saturday morning. And that was two, I think I'm coming up on two months of a vagabond life going from like couches to like mom's house to like lived in a hotel for three weeks. Like now I'm down in South Carolina, it's Mm. been a journey and it's honestly um, kind of shaken me up in a good way, but with just being out of the environment within um, 
like just a couple of days, I was finally sleeping through the night because I was waking up at one to three in the morning every morning, which I work with a Chinese acupressurist and that those hours, one to three in the mornings, lung, lung hour. And I, he was telling me this when, when we were working together and I was still in my apartment, but I couldn't put it together because I didn't understand where the lungs fit in because I don't have any nasal respiratory allergies. Those aren't any of my symptoms. It's all gut and fatigue for the most part. Um, and I had a lot of body pain, particularly like shearing pain in my right shoulder. And he would push on the points and tell me that those points were all lung points and some stomach points too. Again, digestion, that makes sense. But I was, I wouldn't be able to put it together. I was like, I don't get the lungs. This doesn't make sense for my picture. But then when I found moles, I mean, we breathe in mycotoxins, which are tiny toxins created by mold. They're so tiny though, that we breathe them in the lungs, but they don't stay in the lung tissues. They then can travel systemically really anywhere in the body and they love fat. So we think of all the fatty organs in the body. The brain is a fatty organ. Certainly our actual organ systems, the digestive system, all of these things, we can think of adipose tissue. So I was very, I would describe myself as puffy. My Chinese acupressurist would as well. Um, (laughs) and, And just kind of like holding on to really felt like everything from, you know, foods I was eating to again, constipation, my body wouldn't let it go um, to even kind of emotions and just feeling like I was like, again, disappearing, composting into my apartment, which theoretically is really what mold wants you to do. Mm. Um, So it's been, yeah, really interesting, but those symptoms, at least the sleeping through the night and the shearing pain in my shoulder, like, within a week of being out of my home, I finally put two and two together that those started to dissipate completely. Wow. And that was really kind of got validation of like, okay, like I haven't even really started treating myself formally for mold yet. And this is a huge improvement Mm -hmm. and just wasn't apparent when I would, you know, go away for the weekend Mm -hmm. or do, you know, whatever that I never put two and two together. Mm, it's really easy for, you know, some people, and I know I'm one of them when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm like, Oh my God, is that me? Do I have mold? Like, mm-hmm. can you share, like, so you, you talk about the shoulder pain, mm-hmm. the fatigue, waking up in the middle of the night, any other things that you had specifically worked on or been on a call it a protocol to eliminate before everyone that has shoulder pain and wakes up, thinks that they have mold. So like, was it, um, like, were you on, like, what was your supp- supplement protocol? What were you doing to be in the most optimal health? And when you realized something, you, those steps weren't working. Yeah. I'd say beyond that kind of what we talked about a foundation, like water, hydration, movement, those pieces, sleep, um, you know, I would think about kind of like elimination of like two of the more kind of aggravating food groups for, I like to eliminate kind of pull things out, get curious for two months of gluten and dairy. Mm. Um, those, you know, certainly, I mean, I've worked with clients that have come to me with years and years of just like chronic loose stools or chronic constipation. We test and we find out, oh, you have an incredibly high gluten sensitivity, your immune system. That just essentially means your immune system hates gluten. We take it out and all of a sudden they're like, I'm cured. And it's kind of, you know, had there been like a two month window that there was curiosity about, all right, I'm going to take these things out and I'm just going to be curious. This doesn't necessarily mean that that rest of my life, I have to, you know, ban these foods and, and treat them as though they're like the devil, but really just saying, you know, better understanding my own body. 
And then there's always an opportunity to reintroduce and find that level of like, okay, do my symptoms come back? Do they not? So that's usually where I, in the work that I do with clients, I call it like a healing window. Um, so we're going to create a healing window. And we're just going to get curious and we're going to kind of pull things out, put things in. So I would kind of start there. Um, magnesium, I've never tested a client and found that they had optimal magnesium. And I've tested hundreds of people at this point. Um, magnesium is the relaxation minerals. And we think of body aches and pains. We think of mm -hmm. constipation. We think of busy mind. We think of anxiety. Um, Question really for where, you. Yeah. I've never asked this and I, I should maybe know the answer given that I take it, but I, we've had magnesium has come up many times on this podcast. I take magnesium citrate like every night. What's the difference between magnesium citrate or like people will see glycinate or just magnesium? Yeah. So there's a big difference. Um, and it's really the delivery mechanism of it. So magnesium citrate for anybody that has like constipation or slow bowel movements. Yep. Same. I'm raising my Take hand every night. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so that one will help to, to, it's the least absorbable. So it stays in the digestive tract predominantly. It, it gets absorbed some, but we want it to stay in the digestive tract because we want it to relax the muscles of the colon and then to gently pull some water in so that if so facto the next morning, we have a nice, easy to pass bowel movement. And that one you dose up to where that unique person, like I've had some clients we're just getting working together that need like seven capsules of magnesium. Yeah. Do not start there. Yeah. yeah. The worst thing is that you'll just get a loose stool. But if you're chronically constipated, you're like, woohoo, loose stool, here I come. Yeah. Um, but start low and then like slowly build your way up. Magnesium glycinate is the most absorbable. So if we're feeling like we want systemic, so we've got the body aches, we've got the busy mind, we've got um, like soreness in our joints, things like that, that a magnesium glycinate, um, I like people to take it at night because it helps to calm busy mind and the glycine actually helps to promote relaxation and sleep. Um, but that one would be most kind of absorbable into the body. Sometimes I have people take two different forms because we're trying to you know, get them to go to the bathroom and we want them to like absorb it too. Mm. Um, and magnesium three and eight is the most absorbed into the brain. Um, and so if we are working with, um, like migraines or headaches or, um, things of kind of like constriction, we could think of, cause it's a relaxation of muscles, especially even those kind of muscular contractions in the actual blood vessels themselves, tiny little blood vessels in the brain, when they come, become kind of contracted, that's sometimes where we can get more prone to like headaches and things like that. So we kind of choose those different forms. Mm -hmm. Magnesium malate is another form that's pretty absorbable. Um, the only one I don't tend to use is the um, magnesium um, oxide. That one is, the, is again in the least absorbable. So it will help with bowel movements, but sometimes it's just a little bit more intense and can give people like some cramping or things like that. So citrate seems to be a little bit smoother. Okay. That is so helpful. And I'm sorry that I interrupted you, but I think it's worth mentioning because yeah. I hear, and I, and I see it on Instagram, magnesium, magnesium, and you should take it. And like, I know just based on my own passion of learning the stuff, like I know what foods I could tap into to get magnesium, things like that. But um, as far as the supplement goes, Mm -hmm. I think it's just important to talk about that because I bring it up a lot for constipation, but I'm like, I don't want people to like take that, you know, because they're taking the wrong one, et cetera, and not get, um, pr uh, not make progress. But the thing that you're sort of mentioning here is that they're all of these, 
I don't want to say le- like, I guess they're like levers to pull, right? Like someone mm-hmm. could do all the foundational work. They could do some testing with you. They could get on a supplement protocol, change their diet and do all these things that you were doing. You talked about creating this healing window, giving people the space and time to adjust their adjust for all of that. And I can imagine, um, that after doing all of that on yourself and still feeling awful that you were just like, what the heck? And, um, like you mentioned before, like your journey is always for a reason and your body's your teacher and all of that. But, um, and I, again, I know too much because I know you personally, but what else did you get into before you can, before you found the mold? Because it's also important for people to know, not because there are other modalities that are better snake oil or better levers, but everything is always working together. And we talk so much on this podcast about mindfulness, spirituality, um, emotional health, mental health, all of that. And so how did those pieces, um, come into play for you? Yeah, I think that it was very much like directly correlated with kind of my healing and even being able to look deeper and, and see it in that opportunity of like, oh, this is an opportunity and I'm, um, not feeling devastated by like, you know, this is finding mold in your home that you own and like realizing that I'm going to have to deal with that. And I don't even know what that's going to look like, like a kind of, you know, surprised by my own re- reaction. But I think a lot of it, um, kind of doing the like personal work and, um, working, well, Garrett, you were such a, a huge, um, piece of my like personal growth. Um, and I found out about you through my kind of expanding colleagues and really good friends, um, Bridget Carroll, one of them, another gut health expert, um, that you know really had been working with you. And I kind of watched her journey and was like, I want what she's doing. Like this looks re-, and just watching her like almost, you know, in the cheesiest of way, like spread her wings and like take off. I was like, I want to do that. That's exactly what I want to do. And <laughs> and realizing that I don't have to to want it, I can actually do it, but I do have to do the work to do it. And, um, and that was really where like kind of going deeper and creating the space and, and knowing that I didn't really feel like I had the tools to do it on my own. So reaching out to, um, like you and, um, and even some other providers working with like a medical intuitive, which I found to be really helpful. Um, who actually, as I kind of shared with you before we got on that, she really talks about mold as being um, old emotions. And mm-hmm. that as, as mold shows up in people's lives, it often can show up at a time where they're kind of doing some personal work or where there are like old emotions mm-hmm. coming up. And I had definitely been digging up those and trying to kind of let them go, be it also kind of the constipation, my body just held on to things from you know a lot of just like past life childhood all of those things as I kind of let those go it felt like things like showed up not as obstacles in my life necessarily but as like kind of opportunities that were a little bit of challenges and things um but it was probably some of the most like powerful and helpful and like life-changing work I've really ever had the opportunity to do wow I um I think it's There's a whole, there's, we talk about this too often on the show, like courage and willingness, because that's sort of like 
personally, like behind the mantra, dare to move. It's like, you have to have the courage to do it, but you actually have to do it too. And for some people investing in someone like yourself is takes a hell of a lot of courage because it's like, you are going to hold them accountable. You're going to ask them to change a lot about how they eat, what supplements they take, investing in those things and the testing and all of that. But for other people, um, that's the easy side, right? It's like a little bit more masculine. Let's get the data. Let's make the tweak. And that's where I was personally. And, um, like three or four years ago, and I didn't really want to know about like the emotional stuff. And I wasn't, it's like, I knew it was going on, but I wanted to just believe that they were separate. And so I think what you just shared, it, it really demonstrates the courage you had to look within as well before you got the extra data to be like, Oh, like there's also some other stuff here. And you mentioned like a medical intuitive. Some of the listeners might not even know what that means. And I would love for you to share more just about your experience with that, because you come here to us as a functional like practitioner who is very data-driven. And I just find it so interesting that you could also use your discernment to look at a client and be like, how, like, what else are you feeling here? <laughs> because mm -hmm. that's just such a true picture of our humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of, um, I was introduced to, to this medical intuitive actually again, through, um, my expander, Bridget Carroll, um, <laughs> she's been on, so you guys can all tune in. She's been on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's, she's wonderful. Um, but in one of my kind of first conversations, um, her name is Laura Gray and she is absolutely wonderful. Um, and she, we were talking and I was like, yeah, you know, as I've, um, kind of the longer I practice, the more I'm really coming around to the idea that like so much of healing is emotional. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I've even heard like upwards of like a third of healing is emotional. She was like, Abby, 90% of healing is emotional. I was like, oh, okay. My ratio is off a little bit, but you know, <laughs> either ratio is good though. If you have some awareness around it, right? <laughs> totally. So she works, um, really by kind of intuiting like into someone's body and kind of feeling everything from kind of their kind of where they're holding on to their emotions and um, can really even feel into some of their like past history or, um, kind of current symptoms and really just show, I bring her in with clients or even in my own experience, often when we hit that glass ceiling of sorts, um, where, you know, we've done a lot of work, but it's kind of like, okay, are we ready to like, take it to the next level to kind of like bring in this, like the emotional side, or maybe there's something that we're kind of missing. That's not as obvious. Um, and she really has a way of really kind of connecting someone to that kind of emotional piece in their own body. Um, I'd say maybe a little bit, sometimes it's helpful to come from a different voice, like for her to come into the work with some of my clients um, versus, you know, myself, that's not necessarily my expertise, I would say. Um, I'm a love to be a sounding board for those things, but uh, just kind of putting it on the table and oftentimes like that can be a huge revelation. Mm -hmm. um, in, and an opportunity, kind of an invitation for someone to say like, hey, I never really realized, or like, I've always kind of felt this way or you know, whatever those, those pieces are, but really help to kick off that whole other side of healing that is really profound. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. It's 
on a, not that I want people to go run out and Google, but on a very small level, um, I began early 2020 looking into like the spiritual meaning behind different ailments. And I don't even remember how I went down the wormhole, but it was really fascinating because you could basically find, I'll try to find the link and put it in the show notes, but there was like a website that was basically like a general idea of what everything from having pimples to um, high blood pressure to asthma, like what the emotional tie is. And Mm -hmm. it's really, like you said, just, it's another part, it's another perspective to look at it from uh, before and what potentially during your investigation on like the data side and all of that. Because if you don't look at that part of it, the problem could continue to you know, potentially progress. So I just love, I just love your, not that you went through it because I know how hard it was, but, uh, just your journey, because it really shows the way that you as the expert still had to go be in your client's shoes and be struggling with all of that. Um, even though you knew all the things. And so, um, one other question on mold, and it's not really the way you described it, but we had had a side conversation just about moldy foods, how, or what should people know about the difference between like environmental mold, maybe in your walls or from water damage versus like a moldy food. And what are the moldy foods? Yeah. So, um, we, and I think one of the things that, and I wasn't even so privy to this until, you know, really starting to study it and then realizing like, oh, this is really pertinent to my own health too. Um, but that we have a lot of mold in our food, um, kind of climate in our, in our foods today. And partially, unfortunately, it's a lot of, um, the way we process food and the way we store it. Mm. Um, so not to say that those are like the worst things, you know, mold is, is quote unquote natural, but there are, the, there are some of us that are much more sensitive to mold. Um, mold has a great way in certain people to kind of very technical term here, but junk up your detoxification systems and kind of like prevent your body from letting things go. Mm. Um, which is kind of helps or creates for those, for some of us that are more sensitive to kind of hold on to things in our body. There's some genetic um, snips and things where, where some people genetically might be more prone to being sensitive to mold. Mm. Um, but not necessarily always. Some people are just sensitive from kind of exposure. So, um, some of those like kind of moldy foods, like grains tend to be a a pretty moldy food, mostly because of how we store them. Oftentimes they're kind of stored damp and mold loves anything that's damp. Um, and so kind of growing in the, grains or in the oats or things like that when they're stored. Um, so if you're prone to like allergies or inflammation or, um, kind of histamine responses, sometimes like a high grain diet might promote those, especially if there are other factors at play, like some permeability in the gut or some imbalances in your microbiome. So usually it's, we might be more sensitive to those foods. If there's like other cracks in our system Mm. that are kind of allowing for some kind of dysfunction to happen. And then we have a little bit of sensitivity. We bring in some mold and foods and we might get a runny nose or flush or, um, hives or things like that. Coffee is another, um, that is really prone to, to mold a lot of the storage of it. I'm a big, um, promoter of organic coffee. That's more from a pesticides, but there are companies that will test for molds, um, in both coffees and teas. Um, companies to look out for those are, um, purity coffee does Mm -hmm. a lot of testing. Um, 
the Bulletproof Coffee does testing for molds and mycotoxins as well as other um, other things in coffees. And then teas like uh, traditional medicinals is a tea that they sell at like Whole Foods and Stop and Shop and things like that, or Peak Tea, it's like P-I-Q-U-E. Mm. Um, they also sell like a matcha and things like that. Those do um, mold testing, mycotoxin testing, things like that, because some of those molds can be producing some of their um, kind of byproducts. Those I would more put on someone's radar if we did have a mold exposure from a water damage building, mm. then someone's going to be much more sensitive to those gotcha. foods. Like for myself personally, um, I love coffee. I just like, I'm not a huge I don't need the caffeine as much, but um, the flavor and the whole experience of it, I'm obsessed with. Um, but it makes my nose run. I call it leaky nose. Um, <laughs> and, and I couldn't figure out for so long as to why my nose would run when I would drink coffee and then kind of figuring out like, oh, I had, was living in mold. And then I was drinking and I didn't, I wasn't drinking a coffee that was kind of certified, tested for mold, anything like that. And I wonder, you know, am I drinking? Is it the mold that I'm responding to? And that's kind of creating this like leaky nose um, dynamic. And I'll still get it a little bit sometimes today. Um, I had a cup of coffee this morning and I'm not experiencing leaky nose because it's really not fun to have a runny nose, like just yeah. randomly. Yeah. Not fun at all. Um, but there's, you know, those are like thinking of all of those pieces of like, they're just little signs and kind of like a little white flag for the body. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, hey. We have a little like pay attention to us. Um, and I think to that point, one of the ways of like thinking of that is like everything your body does that's a symptom or a dysfunction, quote unquote, is really just your body desperately trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. And every kind of dysfunction, every disease in the body is the body's way of protecting. I know it oftentimes doesn't feel that way, especially for those of us that are mad at our body for being sick or being unwell or being, um, you know, not fitting into the circle peg in all the, you know, with all the other circle pegs. Um, but really recognizing like, okay, what, how do I need to help my body to understand that it doesn't need to protect me anymore? What are the barriers I need to take out or what are the, um, things I need to put in or foundations I need to build or heal and seal, um, in order for my body to say like, ah, oh, okay. We don't have to, we don't have to work so hard to protect you anymore. Mm, so helpful for people to hear. I'm like, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I have like two sort of personal questions, but I think would be interesting. And then I have another one and I know we can get through all of this. So thank you first and foremost for just how much you're sharing, because I really do think it's stuff for people to be looking out for. Um, on the coffee note, for me, it's one that I am like, okay, I really do need to look into that because it's it's a part of my day every day. So it's it's guaranteed to have a negative impact if it isn't a good brand or good quality, just based on the amount and the consistency at which I consume it. Um, and it could be like, I don't want to relate it to pregnancy because it's happened in pregnancy, but it's happened like it happened actually a lot more before pregnancy was, um, cause I drank more caffeine. I would start sweating a lot. Any, any like feedback on that, like sweating from drinking coffee, aside from the fact, like it's temperature hot, but like, it wasn't about the temperature, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I feel like that is an adrenal thing because of the caffeine stimulates cortisol, especially if we have coffee, like first thing, empty stomach, no food. Yeah. Um, that will give us a little like that 
cortisol, that caffeine is going to give us a cortisol spike. And then cortisol communicates with the liver to basically say like, Hey, we're, you know, we're in a stress state and the body really thinks of like, okay, where's the tiger. Let's get a little communication with the liver to get some blood sugar pumping. So we mobilize what's called glycogen, which is stored carbohydrates in the liver. We pump it into the blood. Now we've got some blood sugar and we're ready to like run from said tiger, but there's uh, hopefully no tiger theoretically around. And we're just like sitting at our desk or we're going around our morning or whatnot. And all of a sudden we're kind of like sweating, or maybe we, some people will have like smelly or BO. Um, that is kind of that, like, it's like a stress response in the body. Um, particularly in what we think of the adrenals, which are the glands that kind of are, um, manage our cortisol. They do much more than that. They're really kind of our, um, overall stress, kind of Mm. stress balance in the body, I guess would be the best way to say it. Um, kind of hormone balance in the body. Um, but those organs can be very sensitive to other dynamics happening. So certainly psycho-emotional stress, but also if we think of this theoretical stress cup in the body and we kind of look at like, okay, what could go in the stress cup? And we could certainly have like imbalances in blood sugar because we're drinking coffee on an empty stomach or we're not having enough protein, healthy fat or um, fiber at meals. We could have maybe a simmering kind of infection in the gut, some imbalance in our microbiome. We could have... um, food sensitivities, we could have some thyroid dynamics. So we're all of a sudden looking and we're like, oh, our cup is kind of full. One more thing in that cup. And then we have that cup starts to overflow. And those are symptoms. And there are some of us that have a giant water basin as a stress cup. Those are the people that you're like, what? That person eats everything. They Mm -hmm. don't, you know, exercise. They barely sleep, but they're like the pinnacle of health. Like, I don't get it. This doesn't seem fair. Whereas those of us, I put myself in this category, have like a thimble. And I'm kind of like, oh, wait, well, I have a little thimble. I have to be really mindful of what goes in my stress cup. And so certainly if I have coffee, which I do make the mistake of doing at times on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, I will definitely feel sweaty and I get smelly. So it's really just delightful. (laughs) Yes, that helps. That is so helpful to hear because I was attuned to adrenal, adrenal fatigue and potentially what what was in my stress cup at that time when it was happening more frequently. And to your point, some of the times I've had it um, in pregnancy, I actually do think it's a literal temperature thing because Mm -hmm. I'm wearing like a shawl and it's really just decaf and I'm like sweating. But um, it reminded me recently when that happened of prior to being pregnant, because I was sweating more often than not. And my old MO was just like, do like this fast, high caffeinated coffee, you know, chug, and then I'd go to the gym. So it actually worked out quite well because I would use that energy and it was like my, my pre-workout, so to speak. But I think it's helpful for people because, um, we are a caffeinated society and a lot of people have, um, questions right now. And you've answered so many of them around what, like what quality, what brands mold, all of that. And I just think it's really helpful. And, um, my second personal question that, um, I think you would, I don't think I told you this, but, um, it was actually a pulmonologist who brought this up to me, which I thought was really cool. And I'm sad. He's, he was actually like a fellow and now he works in the ER at MGH. But, um, when I went into a pulmonologist, I want to say 2019, cause I've experienced asthma my whole life. He asked me about my gut health 
And I had just spent two and a half years in different like Harvard Vanguard, um, different practices within MGH because nobody believed me. In fact, that's why I worked with Bridget because everyone was like, um, we'll do like a um, colonoscopy up. Oh, you're fine. I'm like, I'm not fine. Uh, and so he asked me about my gut health and he was really curious when he asked. And I was like, that's lovely. Um, but also how does this connect to my lungs? And the other interesting thing that I noticed was um, when I eat a lot of sugar or when I have a really big meal, um, and mm -hmm. I need to track this a little bit better, I actually experience a lot of asthma symptoms. And so I was just curious if you've heard of any budding research or anything out there that talks about um, you know, lungs and the gut microbiome and any connection. Yeah. Well, what I first think about is I actually think about our kind of drainage and detox systems. And this is really how like so many of those pieces are connected. Um, our lymphatic system, which is kind of the waste network of the body, the lymphatic system is very similar to our blood vessels. It runs everywhere in the body. We have a brain lymphatic called our lymphatic system. We have lymph, certainly when you're like, oh, I'm getting sick, my lymph nodes are swollen. I'm sure everyone's kind of felt that or said that maybe once in their life before. And um, those are an area where our, our uh, white blood cells, our immune system navigates through the lymphatic system to get to other tissues and things. Um, but we also mobilize wastes through our lymphatic system and they drain into the kind of the liver and get sent either to the kidneys for excretion or through the bile into the gallbladder and then dispose through the small intestines out, out of the colon and out of the physical body via the stool. Mm -hmm. So the lymphatic system or the lymphatic system, that drain, if we imagine if there's a, if there's a plug or a bottleneck at the liver, so our detoxification systems, which again, actually caffeine will drive phase one there's two major phases of detox in the liver, phase one and phase two, we want them to be balanced. And if we have an imbalance, one phase one may be going at a higher rate than phase two. Sometimes we can get some symptoms there of some like kind of, um, be it, it could be allergic like symptoms. It could be like kind of hives, it could be redness, it could be things like that. And um, could be lots of other symptoms as well. But we can often see that there's some, or certainly constipation, we literally have a plug at the bottom of the drainage. Mm. Our, we're thinking of our skin and our lungs are accessory detox organs. And when the kidneys and the liver and their, the kind of lymphatic system and the colon, if there is a bottleneck and there's kind of an overwhelm, the body essentially hits the SOS button and it's like, we need help. We need more assistance. And the lungs and the skin show up and they're like, okay, we can take on the extra burden. But now all of a sudden we've got acne coming up or we've got rashes and the skin's like, we're working really hard to get these impurities, quote unquote, out of the body, but we're not doing it through the correct pathways. The lungs the same. So sometimes we can see exacerbation of symptoms because of just an over-dependence where our skin and our lungs are becoming almost like a third and fourth kidney. Mm. So it's really this kind of in, in balance in the drainage systems in the body. Um, constipation would be obviously a very overt plug 
Um, definitely the liver, the gallbladder bile is a very under um, appreciated uh, kind of organ or fluid, digestive fluid, ideally talked about when um, with its digestion of fat. So it's a really important emulsifier of fat in the digestive system. Uh, but it also is the substance that that cleans our digestive system. It's antimicrobial. Um, bile is best supported when we eat bitter foods, but we don't eat a lot of bitter foods. So bitter foods like watercress, bitter foods like um, green tea would be a bitter food, bitter foods like ginger, um, sauerkraut, everything that you like, like, oh, like it was really bitter. Um, lemon in water first thing in the morning. That's a great lymphatic drainer as well as a kind of gallbladder contract. Um, things like dandelion tea will actually help to produce more bile. A lot of these things we may have heard of or may not have heard of, but those are really things that are helping with the kind of opening up the bottom of the funnel. And that's a lot of things that, that I'll actually prime initially with clients so that we make sure that their detox and their drainage systems are nice and open mm. so that we don't get this kind of overburdening of the body um, if, we, if we get a backup because we're starting to then kind of drain these systems and the drains clogged. We're certainly going to be in dirty bathwater if we do that. Wow. That is incredibly insightful. I've never heard it explained that way. I'm sure the listeners are also like mind blown right now as I am because, um, I've been chronically constipated for so much of my life. And when I think to the times after a big meal, a big dinner, that I'm like, you know, it's one thing to feel really full after Thanksgiving. Like no one really likes that feeling, but yet, you know, we all do it. But on top of that to be like, and I can't breathe. Like I, if any of my family members are listening, they know that anytime I'm at my aunt Debbie's house for Thanksgiving, I end up using her inhaler because mm -hmm. I don't think, oh, my asthma is going to be triggered while I'm here. And, um, as someone who has weaker lungs from this asthma journey, it makes sense that that would, they would be struggled when they're trying to help out. So I love that, um, perspective. And I think it's also just really important to highlight just how interconnected everything is and like skin connected to gut connected to constipation, all these things. So, um, thank you for that. And I'm wondering, yeah. um, if there are any trends that you're seeing in the call it health and wellness space. Like a couple of years ago, um, I believe it was Sarah Greenfield from LA. Like I asked her like, you know, what's a good trend? What's call it a, I don't want to say bad, but you know, what's here to stay. And so like thinking back, I'm like, oh yeah, celery juice. Like everyone was drinking celery juice in 2019 and now like, meh, don't really see it. But collagen was on the rise. And like, we all know collagen's like helpful and it's a tool if and when you need it. So um, and then their specificity. I know Bridget has been on here talking about specificity with testing and finding out, you know, what is the most helpful for you personally, not like what Instagram says, what are you seeing? What do you predict people are going to see in this? You know, we're recording in February of 2021. People may not catch this till December, but I still think it's important for a lot of the people listening in real time, like what to be on the lookout for this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might be biased, but, um, I think, I think the lymphatic system is um, really starting to be talked about more or there's a curiosity. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. Like mm -hmm. I have so many clients that will start, I'll start educating about the lymphatic system and mention like, oh, dry brushing is yeah. a really wonderful way to mobilize the lymphatic system because it doesn't have its own 
muscular mechanism. Like for instance, our blood vessels, we have the heart that has kind of a propulsion that's pumping our blood. Um, but our lymphatic system doesn't, it's very, um, kind of gravity. So legs up the wall or dry brushing, very light massage, even to kind of move those fluids to drain because they're all draining through portal vein and the liver and kind of moving through again, the excretion pathways that we want. Um, and I think it is much, it is, it is an organ system that we, we know a lot about, but we don't know everything. Um, mm. And I think that certainly we will continue to learn more about how important and how interconnected it really makes everything. Um, because it literally, is, it innervates almost every single part of the body. Um, and, and I would additionally put in there um, the gallbladder and Ooh. bile. I really, again, maybe biased because I'm just obsessed with this, um, but so many of my clients that are um, like chronic nausea or itchiness, um, kind of hives, um, certainly like loose frequent stools, um, fullness or slow motility, the gallbladder bile is what actually promotes motility or one of the factors that promotes motility. So we think of constipation, we think of a stagnation in motility. Um, and that is how we excrete toxins or a certain realm of toxins out through the stool. So if we have kind of a, and bile is a very, um, like kind of, uh, like thick substance. So it can be, um, it can turn into kind of like a molasses where it gets a little kind of congested in the bile duct, which is a very skinny little tubule that, that carries it into the small intestines where it works as the digestive piece. Um, but it is again, self-cleaning antimicrobial for the small intestines. We think of SIBO and how that's kind of 70% of uh, root cause of IBS. Well, really we think, oh, is the root cause actually a backup for some sort of stagnation in bile and gallbladder function and liver? Um, and that's really a wonderful thing that we can do through foods. Um, fiber in the diet. So things like my favorite types of fiber are kind of chia seeds and ground flax seeds because they bind bile and help to pull it out of the system. That's everything from cholesterol to um, exogenous hormones. That's how we excrete estrogen from the bodies through the bile. So those of us that are constipated and we have terrible PMS, well, our body is maybe reabsorbing some of our estrogen that we've targeted to be a waste product, but the colon doesn't want to damage itself. So the body brilliantly reabsorbs those waste products with wow. de facto. Sometimes we have imbalances in hormones then. So lymphatic system and bile are things that I think we're going to hear a lot more about. And so, so much of that is through diet and kind of lifestyle and, you know, daily practices, even hot and cold exposure. Like I, as much as sometimes I hate it, I have made a rule for myself that every shower that I take before like 4 p.m., I must chase it with 30 seconds of a cold shower. Um, I do as long as I can, and then I count 30 seconds, and then I get out. And it is the most invigorating kind of moment and um, really changes the day around, especially if I maybe had too many margaritas. Um, it's the best kind of one to kind of get you moving after that, but, um, it, it contracts the lymphatic system. And so it helps to flush any type of waste products through the proper kind of 
you know, waste system and helps to really just kind of feel that invigoration. That's that cold exposure. Breath work also helps to move the lymphatic system. So a lot of these pieces with like the Wim Hof and um, your, you know, friend that you kind of connected me to, the, the captain um, doing like a lot of that kind of amazing breath work. Um, all of those are really working on that lymphatic system and therefore kind of the gallbladder as part of it too. Wow. This is so exciting to me. I'm also, I'm not, I don't nerd out as much as you do, but I definitely follow like I'm in that space to a degree. And, um, I've got to get Sam Whiting on here because he's friends with Lucas. Who's been on here. And anyway, he's a Boston person. And when you were just describing that, I was thinking about the cold plunge and Wim Hof and he's always posting about that. And a lot of people talk about that stuff from like the mental health and the grit and the, you know, yeah, what you can overcome mentally and then brain health. But I hadn't heard about that. I hadn't considered the lymphatic side of that. And I love that, you know, you might not want to get in your bathing suit in the middle of winter and jump into a cold lake, but we all are accessing a shower. And so that's an easy way to to do that for yourself. And, um, on a small degree, I haven't, I should probably start doing the cold showers, but when it's really cold, I have been pushing myself to go outside, even if it's just for a 15 minute walk to, because I always feel better. And I didn't, um, think about it, uh, that way. So I definitely think, um, the breath work and that are both interesting ways to look at what you said, the lymphatic system and draining it. I know I've seen a couple things pop up in New York city where they do like lymphatic massages to like help people. Cause it the talks, is that the one that you've heard of? Yeah, there's one. And then there's, um, uh, I've been to, goodness, where did I go? Um, I went to one in, in New York and it was, you did like a infrared sauna. That's another one that'll kind of open mm. up. Um, I, I love that personally. Again, big thing for mold because um, we can actually kind of mobilize a lot through sweat and just kind of out mm. of tissues. Again, that lipophilic kind of nature, that loving of fat mold piece. Um, now I'm kind of forgetting what the name of that lymphatic drainage place is, but that's a lot of the physical, lymphatic, okay. like kind of a fit, like a physical manipulation, which is great. Um, but we, and it's, I mean, the one I went to was like very expensive. It was like a little treat that I gave to myself, but I was like, I want to do this like daily or most days. Like, how do I do that? And not like, you know, yeah. deplete my savings. <laughs> yeah. And that's really where, you know, you think of like, oh, breath work, like the diaphragm is a muscle that when we kind of inhale, we change the, um, kind of the, the balance of pressure in the body. And we actually are able to kind of use it as a pump to move that lymphatic system or that cold exposure, or even like lymphatic, the um, dry brushing is like our own kind of gentle form of that like physical movement mm. of it. But we can do it through foods too, those bitter foods. Um, bitters are something you can actually buy, like, you know, any fancy cocktail bar that you've ordered like a Manhattan or something from that uses bitters. Those are very much the same thing. Cool. Um, they taste very bitter. But if anyone deals with like acid reflux or anything upper GI, they help to um, kind of stimulate bitter taste sensors or bitter um, receptors in all of our digestive accessory organs. So they help to promote digestive secretions from stomach acid to digestive enzymes in the pancreas to bile production mm. in the liver gallbladder. Um, and wow. you can take those before meals or between meals. Like my brother hates them because they don't, they, they taste pretty intense going down. Um, 
but if he's eaten too big of a meal or if he has heartburn, like just kind of randomly, it doesn't thankfully happen to him very frequently, but he's like, can I have those disgusting things that you sometimes make me take? I'm like, yes, yes, you can. I carry them around me all the time because um, they help with motility and kind of definitely for me, the more I support my gallbladder, the more I go to the back of my gallbladder. Wow. Okay. This is also helpful. One quick question that I forgot about that with regards to this, what are you, what are your thoughts on the trampoline thing? Like the jumping on the trampoline for lymphatic, is that as helpful as it's touted? Yes, definitely. That, um, that kind of the rebounder. Absolutely. So again, we're kind of like shaking up the body, um, cause movement of all sorts is going to be a great lymphatic, um, kind of movement. So we think of, you know, even like legs up the wall, not so much of a movement necessarily, but changing the um, kind of the gravitational pull on the body. The lymphatic system still moves in just one direction, but it moves through gravity. It doesn't move through propulsion. So if we change up the just perspective of our feet going up to the ceiling versus down to the floor, we can help drain. And a lot of times if you have like swollen ankles or things and you do that, you'll actually see that you, you know, you're kind of won't have those swollen ankles after 10, 15 Mm. minutes of that. Wow. I I'm laughing to myself because this, anytime I do a podcast episode focused on health, wellness, well-being, how do we optimize all of the things we've been talking about? It always comes back to my grandma because she's like the OG. She's almost 85 and she's had a trampoline for like 20 years. Like actually I got to say 30 cause it's like been in her house as long and she jumps on it every morning. I'm like, who are you? Um, maybe I should have her on the show, but, um, this has been (laughs) so helpful and insightful. Like I, it would take me probably an hour just to cover all the things. So I'm just going to have to do my little intro teaser of like, listen all the way through because you've provided so much um, insight to how our body works that I think is a really good time for people to be present to when we're coming out, we're kind of maybe hopefully starting to emerge out of the, you know, the quarantine. And when we've been sitting a lot, there's just a lot of ways we can feel better. Um, especially as we're going to potentially go back into busier lives. So thank you for all that. Before I let you go though, how can people access you? How do you work with people? How can they find you all the things? Yeah. Well, predominantly I run a private practice. So I work one-on-one with clients that really um, want to go deeper into the journey. I work kind of four month minimum partnering with clients. Um, and those are really I, like the puzzle piece in clients that you built your foundation and you're still really struggling. Those are kind of my most optimal clients. Um, but I am in the process of creating a group program that'll be a little bit less expensive um, or kind of an investment, I would say, um, but really still effective and has that personal testing, personalization piece to it. Um, My plan is to launch that on March 1st. And this is the first public announcement, I would say, about it. And that's just going to be specialized in kind of gut healing. I don't have a fancy name for it yet. I have (laughs) half of an outline, but it'll be my kind of proprietary process talking all about the lymphatic system, doing kind of all of the prep that I do with clients for that, just doing it in a wonderful supportive group setting and um, just nerding out with a group of people. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I'm sure there are people that are, their interest is already peaked just based on everything you've shared today. We're so lucky to have had your, you and your time and your wisdom. So thank you so much. And then where can people find you on, um, however you want to be found social media website, we'll put it in the show notes, but I think it's nice for people to hear it. Perfect. Yeah. Well, certainly, um, Instagram, I'm, 
um, active on Instagram, Above Health um, is my uh, kind of name on Instagram. And then um, my website, abovehealthnutrition.com. Um, and if anyone's interested in becoming a client, you can just kind of book a free discovery, 30 minute free discovery call um, to kind of talk more into what your unique dynamics are. And if, um, you know, if I feel like I can help you and we'd be a good fit. We can kind of chat a little bit more. And um, I have a newsletter as well that you can subscribe to. And that's really where I'm going to be kind of dumping more of the play-by-play on where the group program is and um, the March 1st launch and all those things that will also be up on Instagram as well. And um, I'll probably be building a part of my website to to do that as well. I'll again, one bite of the elephant now that I'm talking it out loud. I'm like, whoo, whoo, lots to do. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm sure it will be wonderful and um, everyone can find you. Um, everything you just said, I'll put in the show notes that they can find your website, Instagram, all the things. And um, thank you so much again for being here today. Thank you so much. 